The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW Future Stars of Wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how you doing today? I'm doing a lot better than uh, this past weekend. Was was this uh, one of the most um, surprising weekends in terms of uh, having to scramble and get things uh, filled in for surprise uh, injuries and uh, people not being able to make it? Uh, yeah, there was a, a number of issues leading up to the to the the show and some of it wasn't about the wrestlers so there was just some inner issues that had to be taken care of so it was a rather annoying uh weekend shit oh that sucks um let me ask you let's uh talk a little bit about ground zero um first let me say the um pay-per-view feed was um really good there was no problems that i ran into um, and, uh, I think that again, it's, it's so much fun to, as much as I love to be at live events, I also kind of like being able to listen to what you guys have to say because you're entertaining as fuck. So, um, that aspect of the, uh, the pay-per-view was really good. How did you feel that went for you guys, uh, this time out being the second time that you've done pay-per-view? Well, initially, the show got off to a rough start. I'm not going to lie. You know, there were some issues early on in the first couple of matches in the segments that had me going crazy at ringside. You know, uh, you know, time cues. And, 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 and I would have to say that was the main thing. Yeah. That, you know, when you're doing a talking segment, and I specifically say, Hey, make sure you guys, you know, I know you guys like to talk. But to me, it was like, dude, what the fuck? It's like, get to the point and get it done. It's like, I had to go back there screaming. It's like, motherfuckers, it's eight o'clock already. And we've only had two matches. Right. And, you know, everybody was to blame. You know, the first match went long, went, went, went long. The second match went long. And, you know, there was just a lot of uh, clunkiness and it was like, you know, like, hey, what? Oh, boy, this is going to be the perfect ending to the perfect shitty week. But, you know, after, you know, that things kicked in and I thought the show was, you know, excellent from that point on. You know, uh, the main event was awesome. Yeah. Until the end, of course, you know, and 
we actually, because of what happened in the main event, are actually uh, changing plans what we were looking to do uh, for the May 14th show. So now we're kind of adjusting some things. So Interesting. Um, what did you feel like? You know, the, the first half of the show kind of was... Um, yeah, you know, Suavecito's, uh, you know, some of the the younger talent per se, um, and then the second half of the show, you know, was your Hammerstone, was your Bayan Sefa, you know, uh, the young guy that was your solid, established guy. Does that feel like a little bit of that feeds into it, where sometimes the younger guys don't have a full sense of. Uh, you know, timing and being able to wrap up. And also with you guys is how much uh, does the referee factor into conveying things to them as well? Uh, we need to have a, a better system, to be honest with you. Yeah. And that's, you know, we got the radios, but the way they're set up, you know, communication with the referee is extremely important. Yeah. You know, when you're supposed to have, you know, you're going to go about eight minutes and now you're at 12 or 13. And, you know, I'm not going to blame bad bitches and suavecitos. They're young guys. They're right. not always going to have a great match. Some things aren't going to work sometimes. But you also got to be able to read that. And as young guys, you're saying, well, hey, we'll make up for it. We'll do this and we'll do that. And they're also young putting together the ideas of the match where they might perceive it as, yeah, this should be good. This should go about eight minutes. And all of a sudden, like, oh, really? We were over? And it's like, yeah, you were over like four or five minutes. It was like a, a match and a half. Yeah. You know? And in situations and going over, you know, you can go look back to Ice Williams and Funny Bone. That went double time than what it was supposed to do, but it was so good. Yeah. There was never a point in that match when you watched it and said, man, if they would have cut this out and cut that out, boy, the match would have been great. It was still a great match. And, you know, timing is about trying to get everything in at a certain time frame. You know, I'm never going to cut Sefa and Bay or Hammerstone match or the unguided they're like, hey, you need us. No, don't, don't have your match, man. It's like, we're not going to punish you. It's like the younger guys are getting on the show. It's to the point where get it done or, you know, watch from the security position. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, we are now up and running. We're going to have those bigger shows. And on those bigger shows, a lot of guys who've seen a lot of action on a, on a majority of shows, they're not going to be on as many. Right. Because we're going to bring in Leo Rush, and we're going to bring in, you know, Trey Miguel and Sefa and Bay on more, you know, especially Bay and Sefa on frequent basis. You know, we had Chris Bay set for May 14th with Trey Miguel and Davari. Right. And, in fact, decided to move their tapings two days later. So... By moving taping, we, we, we lost out on that, you know, because to be honest with you, Sefa uh, and Bay versus Lights, Camera, Faction is probably something Sefa and Bay would love to have. Right. But 
there is no bay. So, <laughs> you know, maybe Steph and Ice Williams is now something, you know, that we need to discuss because we were talking about possibly an Ice Williams against Jordan Oliver. And oh. maybe Steph goes after Hammerstone, you know, <laughs> for the title. So we yeah. may have to shake that up a little bit. Those are two matches that are up in the air, you know, and we got 95% confirmation that on May 8th, Sefa will be, will be there. He's just, you know, making sure of everything because, you know, he was under the impression Psycho DeMaio with Psycho Clown was more of a Lucha show. And it's like, no, it's a regular show. It just so happens that Psycho Clown is going to be on the show. Right. You know, we got Tito Escondido on the show, you know, we got Toko Uso on the show. They'll never be confused with uh, high-flying luchadors. <laughs> you know so it is a traditional high-octane type of show. Sure. You know what I mean? And we just happen to have in one of the main matches uh, a lucha legend from Mexico. Yeah. Um, and being that May 5th is just a few days beforehand, it makes sense to go off of the Cinco theme for a great title uh, for yes. the, the event. I think that's fucking wonderful. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm good at that. I'll tell you. <laughs> um, you know, when you look at, um, let me, let me ask you, cause you brought up uh, Tito Escondido. When you look at him and Graves in the ring, um, what were your feelings on the match? And at any point, uh, did you think that the ring might just buckle? Because, damn, when slams were going down, that ring was just boom. <laughs> These guys were big dudes, and it was fucking intense. It, and, you know, it, it's interesting because everybody knows what Graves is capable of doing. He, he's He's been a frequent re regular for eight, nine years. Yeah. Tito's been in, Tito's been out. He did the blood, he did the uh, natural born killer show. He is, you know, extremely skilled in jujitsu. And I think the fans got to see a, a different side of a guy. Cause in his tag team with Che, you know, they're a little more fast paced. They're, 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 there's double team moves. In this match, you got to see what he was capable of doing on a mat. Yeah. And may not have been toe-to-toe -to -toe because they were kind of on the ground a lot, but the two of them, you didn't look at it at any point and said, oh, Graves is so much better than him on the ground. Right. Because it was true. It was an evenly matched match to where hopefully it makes people – take a little more notice of Tito because that's like the one thing we need to get him over with the crowd is being a frequent visitor. Right. You know, I said before, you know, Brian Cage took a long time to get to where he was perceived as a regular. Right. You know, they don't care if you're a local guy or an Arizona guy, they care that you're an FSW guy. Right. And for a long time, Tito was. But again, for the last couple of years, not really. While 
when I talk about the locals, I include Hammerstone and Graves because they've been with me longer than most guys that are local from Vegas who've been in FSW. Right. And, you know, a guy like Class is quickly becoming that kind of guy. Yeah. That, you know, it's like, oh, man, uh, there might not be a spot for him the 14th because he's ready to go. You know what I mean? And it's like, does he just show up with the case and decide if he's going to do something? <laughs> you know? And with Tito, you know, beating beating some of the younger guys and, and, and you know, looking strong is, is great and all, but beating a guy like Graves should make people take notice. And, you know, even Tito, that was his long-range plan. You know, he wanted Hammerstone. Yeah. You know, those guys, as you heard on, on the the on the, the show last week with Tito, you know, Hammerstone and Tito have been in the ring many, many times. But in most cases, it was in a tag team match with the Gods of War and the Pistoleros or the Wolvesaddies, you know, yeah. after their name. <laughs> um, when I, you know, when I look at, um, <clears throat> when I look at that uh, intensity that they brought, do you ever take uh, a match like that, let's say, and maybe either through word of mouth through some of the trainers or guys like Remy or just directly from yourself, tell some of the, the students or the younger wrestlers to watch a match like that to see where that line is of believability you know, and, and granted that those are two big guys, but if they were lightweights, you would have seen the same intensity out of their characters and who they are in the ring. Is that something that you can point out to, to you know, the, the guys to watch and just kind of learn from that type of motivation that you see in a match like that in the ring? Well, generally, guys like uh, Sin and Kenny, they do a little more of, like, the match reviews of the stuff because when Kenny is around, you know, a lot of times he's not around during the shows. Right. So he wants to see the progression. So if we do a show like like last week, you know, Kenny had not been around for a while, you know, and they did some training in the ring. But the last part of it was going over the show because obviously Kenny's been there for a long time and he he's hit or miss sometimes on if he's going to be there that week. And for the last couple months, he hasn't really been there. Right. So he's looking at the progression, you know, and obviously Kenny is extremely well respected. So, you know, it's good to have him and sin being around to, show people, hey, you know what, this was good, but, you know, maybe maybe you should have tried this or maybe you should have did this. So, you know, I can't wait this week till we do the match review of some of the uh, some of the matches on the show. And, and, you know, I'm not a yeller, but Saturday night I was a yeller. <laughs> yeah. But Kenny will tell it like it is to these kids. Right. And, you know, I personally believe in some cases, 
what I say might go in one ear out the other, despite the fact that I'm the boss. Sure. Do what I need to do, you know. But when Kenny says it, it's like the teacher saying it, you know. When you go to the principal's office, it's a lot of eye rolls, like, oh, I got to go to detention, whatever. He's an idiot. You, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But Kenny is like the, you know, the favorite teacher. So when he says you didn't do something right or you didn't do something well, uh, in more cases, they'll be, you know, they'll feel like they didn't do their job right. They'll, you know, they, they'll right. feel the disappointment of, you know, not making Kenny happy when he may have went over some stuff with them. And then it's like, Hey guys, you went five minutes over and Kenny won't mince words about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I'm glad that you said that because it's very much the, um, the student not wanting to let the teacher down. And that's, remarkable that Kenny has that relationship with the students um along those same lines do you do the students um do they check out the network uh do you know if if the guys have been watching the yeah network? some do there there's some that actually have it on there but we also make it available you know for them to see the matches sure you know, to see them back you know, we try to encourage that. Yeah, I was just, I was curious on that because I think with a tool like a network, uh, whether it be FSW or WWE or Ohio Valley, you know, just to name a few, it's just such a wealth of different matches to be able to watch and to kind of learn from in terms of, you know, just watching the TV product and getting to see how the different wrestlers react and, and how they use their characters, etc. Um, what would you say is for you, the biggest pet peeve? Um, is it the time? Is it going over time or is it something like, um, you know, faltering out of a character if they maybe, you know, get lost in their head or, you know, what is, what is it that really just kind of takes you from, you know, zero to 10 almost instantaneously? Uh, I don't really think there's anything that brings me to a 10 unless somebody just outwardly, you know, disrespects me and what we're trying to do. Sure. You, you know what I mean, it's like the problem with going over time is it's something that's fixable and we haven't fixed it. Right. You know, for a while, with the, everything was working right. Uh, in some cases, I guess some guys have gotten some cues to go home earlier than they should have. <laughs> and my response was, hey, what the fuck? You guys seem like you went short. Oh, well, we got the message from the ref. And it's like, what the fuck? You're supposed to go 12. It only went nine. Like, who's telling you that? You know, so it's sure. like. It's it's one way or the other, and it's like obviously if I'm doing commentary, I'm not able to translate. You know, I try to look up while I'm talking and try to give the like hurry the fuck up, especially when it's a promo. Yeah, but those guys are looking at me, or the referee can't really sit and look at me. 
and wait for me. I know back in the old days, we would have like a pencil cue that whoever was ringing the bell would, you know, pick the pencil up or do something to be like, hey, it's time to it's time to get rolling. Because go home doesn't mean, okay, stop everything, hit the finisher and go home. Right. It's like, okay, set everything up for the finishing sequence. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's time to go home. You know, we have a three-hour window, you know, and we only had eight matches. Right. And we only had, you know, and we had no pre-show match. So everything was concentrated on the eight matches. And when two matches go an hour, you know, and again, unfortunately, there was different circumstances. Sure. You know, class wouldn't have cut the promo about Brandon Gatson, but unfortunately, Brandon Gatson got hurt. So we had to set something up. So that was an extra two or three minutes. Right. I was hoping would have been 45 seconds to a minute, you know, and, you know, there was discussions on how we were going to, you know, are we going to do the death proof R and B match right after the promo or we were going to wait, you know? So, you know, things were discussed and we kind of changed it a little bit. Sure. Know what I mean? So that became the opening segment. Then we went from the opening segment into a match. And then we went into a promo into a match and then we went into another promo. Right. So, you know, there's some shows that two promos are a lot. We had three in the first hour. Technically. The first three matches, we had three promos. Right. Uh, which is way more. But, you know, that happened because of certain issues. Then later on, MK had to cut the promo because he was supposed to bring out Pillman. And there was no Pillman. Right, and then the ring announcer fucked up. I just told her to say Hammerstone's defending the title. She says he's defending it against Caljack. It's like that was supposed to be MK's surprise to release when he came out. You know, we try to play it down, but you know, it was what it was. You know, it, it's it's minor mistakes that the average fan who's watching, you know, oh, that was a great show. Yeah. You know why it was a great show? Because the show ended with a great match. So yep. people forget what happens two and a half hours earlier. Like, oh, yeah, that bad bitch is in Suavecitos. I mean, I thought it was going to be so much better. And did they fuck everything up? No, of course not. They did some good stuff. But I'm only remembering what they didn't do right. well. Right. So they went over, and I know that it was pretty clunky in spots. You know, class and Nino Black, you know, the structure ended up being different than what I wanted. Plus, you know, Nino had been gone for a while. Right. You know, we hadn't seen him since the Nevada State. I needed him as a last-minute replacement. And unfortunately, when you're a wrestler and I'm like, hey, you sure you're ready to go? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready because they don't want to turn down an opportunity. Right. And like, well, the, you know, the rust definitely showed. So that didn't come across, you know, the way I wanted it. You know, Ricky and Remy was fine. I thought him doing uh, uh, old school Remy well, oh, was bad. And it's also a change of pace of what we're doing. Exactly. And that's what needs to be done. That's why... Tito and Graves wasn't the greatest match in the world, 
but it was really good and it was totally different than a lot of other stuff. Right. So there was so there's way more variety. So we had discussions and not even discussions. I had to make my decision on what I wanted to be the main event of the show. And as big a deal Sefa and Bay was, you know, to me, Hammerstone and Pillman was a big match. Right. So for the heavyweight title, it's a guy that we're bringing in that's got some notoriety. He's an AW. He was in MLW. He's Brian Pillman's son. So it was a pretty difficult decision on what we were going to do. And I was leaning towards still having Hammerstone and Pillman as the main event. And then when Pillman, uh, Pillman called off, it made the decision a lot easier because Cal Jack is a guy that's not known to the FSW fan base. He was an MK bring-in. So it made it the right decision because Sefa and Bay, you know, Plus, the closing angle was the way to send people home. Right. You know, similar to when we were at No Escape last year, and it was discussions on how do we end the show, and it was like, well, there was titles on the line, yet we ended up going with Cross and Funny Bone. And it wasn't that I didn't want to go with that, but enough people felt the same way that it made that decision easier. And then at the end of the day the celebration ceremony, the match that they had, it was Kevin's going away. Right. You know, okay, this is what needs to happen. You know, sometimes things get overthought. You know, you look at WWE, Drew McIntyre can open up the show. Doesn't mean he's not the main guy. It doesn't mean anything. But when we run shows, we need to have what's going to be the most exciting thing. Right. You know, if we would have had Sefa and Bay as the semi-main event, and then the angle that happened afterwards, I'm pretty certain 20 to 30% of the crowd would have left and then would have been a hammerstone for Cal Jack. Right. But because Sefa and Bay you know, 95% of the fans were still there. You know, the 5% that left are the ones that came because their family member or their friend, and they're not huge wrestling fans, came to support. And they, you know, they, they stayed there a lot of time, and it was time for them to go. Right. You know what I mean? So it, it's just always trying to, you know, figure out what the fan base wants to see and we saw early as much as early on like oh cool Pillman's coming and oh cool you know when when they saw Sefa versus Bay it was like holy fuck you know that's that's fantastic right you know the match you know people you know Bay's the guy who got there and Sefa's the guy who's getting there and you know after next month you know inklings of Sefa not being around well, it, it's time to use them as often as possible. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you <clears throat> first off with uh, with Brian Pillman, um, is he ever going to uh, now come out to FSW when uh, the track record is now <laughs> every time he's supposed to come in? something happens either an injury or an illness you guys are kind of like 
<laughs> like a, a repellent for him every time he's supposed to be coming, something yeah, bad happens. Uh, I believe there was actually a third time when we had him getting ready to be set up, and then we had to cancel because of COVID stuff. Wow. Like looking at a date, and he agreed upon it. And I think I just made his airfare, and it was like, oh, shit, we need to close down. So, you know, the third time definitely wasn't the charm. You know, I have to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. Sure. You know, I didn't notice him in the crowd at UFC, but then again, I didn't watch it. So, you know. If there's any screenshots, then I guess I could I could doubt, you know, what he says. But you know, said he, you know, it is what it is, sure. and you know, we adjust. You know, like I said, it was an irritating weekend. Things happened, and all of a sudden, I woke up from a message at five thirty in the morning. I woke up at uh, like eight eight thirty on Friday morning the day before the show where he sent me the message yeah and it's like motherfucker and then wake up saturday morning and then there's the message from brandon gatson that he either you know tore his groin or his quad i don't know which is i don't know which one you root for in, in that situation you know so it's like, and, you know, unfortunately for Gatson, the injury bug has really, Hit him. you know, hurt him in FSW. Yeah. You know, comes back strong against Vandegrift, but got hurt in the match, was off for a few months. Had him back, was in a crazy ladder match, nothing happened to him, and then he got hurt doing something else. You know? A few years back, he was doing some stuff with Jacob Austin Young. He turned heel on him when they had been working together. And then he really had some major back issues uh-huh. and just and basically stopped wrestling for a very long time. Yeah. So, you know, unfortunately, it, it's hard to put people in positions. You know, as we said, you know, we talked about the scramble match on May 14th uh, that we have Eli Everfly and Funny Bone and Adrian Quest and Jack Cartwheel and Brandon Gatson. You know, I hit him up yesterday. He said he was walking a little better. I believe he said he tore his groin muscle. So, you know, I'm hoping that's less than a three-week gestation period where he can, you know, be available. But, you know, that's a a high-impact match. Yeah. And Brian Gatson does a lot of very athletic moves that – think might be pretty difficult with a uh, torn groin oh man just just hearing that just keeps ow 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 um so what did you think about uh cal and his uh work filling in for pillman um was this your first time working with him or was it um you know something that you've met him before been familiar with or was this straight through mk who who came through on this no no i i had never met him before we had talked on twitter uh he had messaged us that he was moving to vegas blah 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 he was going to come down and uh i guess i was out with the covid and he kind of came in with the hood slam crew uh that was 
there when Sin was training class one day, uh, Super Beast and uh, Dark Sheik and the Otto Von Clutch guy who trains with us a bit and Cal Jack. But I hadn't seen him, you know, since then. And then again, we talked a little bit. I had reached out. MK had reached out. Uh, we were even talking to Brian Cage about making a surprise appearance, <laughs> which would be in the cards. But he was unavailable. And we hit up about three, three people, two or three people. You know, Toko Uso, obviously, through MK. Because they initially were available to work this show but we just didn't have anything for him. So now it's Friday and <laughs> hitting up Juicy and we're hitting up Toa and, you know, they just couldn't make it happen. Right. So, you know, we're in scramble mode. We want to, we want to have Hammerstone wrestle somebody who's done, you know, things in this business. Right. And fortunately, uh, Cal Jack was available. You know, I know recently, He's been appearing on the blood sports shows, you know, heard good things about him in NorCal. Well, if, if there's any time he's going to debut, you know, then this might be it. I guess him and Hammerstone wrestled once before and in the match, uh, Cal Jack separated his shoulder oh. and they, and they immediately called the match. That's how badly he was injured. Wow. So he was very excited, you know, for the opportunity to try to, uh, I guess you could say redeem himself. Sure. And, you know, it's a pretty impressive sight watching uh, Hammerstone, you know, hit the nightmare pendulum on a guy that size. Yeah. As well, you know, the, the stalling standing suplex. Yep. That for show Hammerstone felt necessarily, it was, it was a necessary thing to keep him up there for as long as humanly possible. Which was really fucking impressive man um boy you know every time i see hammerstone like post pictures from in the gym and stuff it's just so inspiring to see where he was when he first came in with fsw to how much he's really grown into not only this physical specimen but you could tell that he takes everything seriously when it comes to this being his career and his job. Is that an example some of the uh, younger guys are hopefully getting the rub from having Hammerstone around and seeing, you know, his progress and the way he's, you know, not only developing body-wise, but also in terms of his in-ring abilities and his storytelling and his mic skills. You're not. You're probably not going to have Hammerstone around very much longer um, because he's right at that peak of, uh, you know, the cusp of going to one of the big organizations. Um, well, uh, actually, we're thankful that he still has a ways to go at MLW. He's extremely happy there. They've gotten some new deals. It yeah. gives him the freedom to go out and do things. So. We love companies that are considered national companies like MLW and Impact and AEW where you can still utilize their talent. Right. You know, it, the biggest disappointment is, and I know it's great for Cross and it's great for Lacey and it's great for Ryan Taylor and it's great for LA Knight 
and that's where they want to be. But, you know, as the promoter, you know, who feels like, damn, if they were at the other company, man, our great roster would be even better. Right. You know, when Cross was an impact, we used him. Right. When and Brian Cage and L.A. Knight were impact champions, we used them, yep. you know. And, you know, once you get to number one, WWE, it's like, boom, you're done. You know, and it's like if Sefa is getting signed, it's like, you know, I know I know the Fed's got the family there, but it's like, oh, it'd be so nice if we went to Ring of Honor or AEW or Impact. And, of course, that's just the selfishness of me. Sure. You know, we've been lucky enough to have this great homegrown talent better than pretty much everywhere. You know, Santino's got, what, Bateman and, and Brody King and Ring of Honor. Right. You know, and, and that's fantastic. You know, and Jake Atlas is in uh, NXT. NXT. Right. But I'm taking credit for Matt Vandegrift. <laughs> so, but, I, you know, I know Chaos would have a different say <laughs> in that matter. But, you know, if, if a Vandegrift or, or a Damian Drake and them get signed, we do have Bay's our guy. You know, yeah. Lacey's our girl. Cross is our guy. You know, we used L.A. Knight for a long time. We didn't train him, obviously. We used Ryan Taylor tons of times, Willie Mack. We didn't train them. But we did train, you know, Damian Drake and Bay. And, you know, AAA is a big deal, too. You, you know, they're, they're right. number one in Mexico. Right. You know, and, you know, we're hoping we could just keep the, keep the cycle going. Um, speaking of AAA and uh, Cycle Clown coming in, um, do you have an idea of? I don't think it's been announced yet who he's wrestling. Do you have any ideas of what you're planning on doing? Uh, I'm not planning on doing anything. I'm planning on giving them the ring. <laughs> you awesome. know, in, in reality, MK kind of put that deal together. Sure. And I guess he talked with Conan because they were doing some stuff with Psycho Clown, and he gave him the option. You know, and uh, he told them FSW, Conan knows as well. You know, they're bringing in Psycho Clown and they're bringing in a opponent for him. Okay. Uh, when I asked MK the other day, like, can we announce anything? What's going on? He's like, well, we'll know in a couple days and we'll be able to make an announcement, I hope, you know, for what is going to take place that day. So... And uh, fans, that is May 8th. That will be going on. Um, on that card, too, I, I saw you, uh, you announced a very, very intriguing match, and that is Strella versus uh, Sandra Moon in a no-DQ match. Is this where we see the vicious side of Sandra Moon? Well, you know... What we perceived that that last show that they were on was going to be the culmination of what really is a number one contender match. Right. You know, regardless of being part of the crew with Maserati, because whoever wins that match is next in line for that top dog. Right. You know, and whether Estrella put it upon herself. There was really no clear-cut victory. Sandra won the match, 
and, you know, maybe without the exposed turnbuckle. So I just felt that the number one contender match didn't really sit well with me of a convincing win. Right. So I figured, you know what? Let's do it again. Let's do it no DQ. That way there's no excuses. And, you know, and right now it is. It's it's an elimination match. The winner of that match will wrestle Maserati at changing the game on May 14th for the FSW Women's Championship. So, you know, it's tough for Sandra Moon because she just finally beat Stroa. Right. Because now if she loses, it's 1-1, but she'll get the short end of the stick. Right. But that's the way it is, you know. You get know, the job done on the 8th, and you won't have to worry about it. And what's what's fun with that is the fact that it's a no-DQ and Strella and her relationship with Maserati. You know, there's there's so many different avenues that can happen with that being a no-DQ. I just love that idea. Um who else uh, do you have uh, scheduled so far in matches um, or on the card, at least, even if they don't have matches so that, you know, fans watching and listening um, can start filling in the, the picture and, uh, you know, hopefully subscribe to the network um, because it will be on the network. And this one is not a uh, pay-per-view on the network. So network subscription is the best way to go if you're not able to make yeah, it out. It, it, Yep, it, it gets you a, uh, you know, the ability to watch the show as part of the subscription price. Uh, also, May 28th at Future Shock will be another one that will be there. So that's two network exclusive events, uh, as well as all the co- all the footage for seven dollars. Yep. So, you know, uh, I know there's been inklings from some people about, well, why do we got to pay for anything? You know what I mean? And it's like, well, unfortunately, things cost money, and we're trying to keep it away from Fight TV in some situations. Like now, that's going to be a big pay-per-view, but because it's on Fight TV, because we kind of got to deal with them to run X amount of stuff, blah, 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 you're paying $15, and you're still a network subscriber. So paying $7 and being a network subscriber is probably a way better deal. And you're you're generally going to get one or two network exclusives at no cost along with the subscription price. Right. But, you know, after uh, we saw a couple weeks back, you know, Rocky T reinstated Brett the Threat, and then he wrestled Nick Xander. And in reality, thanks to Rocky, uh, Nick Xander lost. You know, with the referee's back turned. Uh, and then Brett the Threat went insane and took out Rocky T. Now, in my position, I was ready to suspend, you know, Brett the Threat. But Rocky T, you know, he wants Brett in a match. <laughs> and I know he's been training with some guys and stuff like that. And he doesn't really want a wrestling match. He wants a fight. So we have no DQ in one match, and now we got a street fight in another. 
Yeah, Rocky's uh, Rocky's words uh, in his little uh, sit down interview that uh, was released a, a couple of days ago uh, really really shined a light on what could very well be a spectacularly entertaining match. <laughs> I just, I just want to know if the parrot's going to be there. <laughs> you know, we can introduce him as Rocky Beware. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> uh, I would I would expect too with Rocky's extensive uh, memorabilia collection that uh, Frankie has to be somewhere in his collection, right? <laughs> he's got to have he's got to have Coco's bird there somewhere. Oh, he's gotta, <laughs> you know, he's bought anything at every Comic Con that's uh, in wrestling collectible show. Oh, I can't wait until WWE Lost Treasure shows up on Rocky's doorstep to uh, buy back something. That's, that's what I'm saying. If they, if they need anything, you know, he's the guy to go to. Yeah. Uh, if they need any Hulk Hogan memorabilia. <laughs> true, true. Um, the big question is, here's the big question. You know, I heard uh, Caesar's Palace has it up on the board. What song is Rocky T coming out to? Real American... Or the NWO theme. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think Rocky, if he thinks outside of the box, goes with uh, the uh, the American-made WCW theme that Hogan had. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, when you're looking at... Uh, who else is going to be on the show? Is there any other names that you have on the show that might not be in matches right now? Uh, Tito Escondido is going to be there. Toko Uso is going to be there. Uh, you know, a bunch of our regular crew, uh, Creature Feature, uh, most likely Sky High, you know, Nick and Chase, trying to get some of the younger, some younger talent on. But, you know, we're focusing more of that on uh, – for the May 28th Future Shock show. Sure. So it's trying to mix and match and make sure, you know, things are in place. Uh, Shogun looks like he's ready to return on May 8th. Kind of took a little hiatus after uh, losing the tag titles. You know, get his mind straight. Wasn't happy with the way things turned out. So, you know, it's a pretty stacked card. You got, like I said, it's Psycho Clown. Uh, whoever he's taking on from AAA, so it's going to be another AAA wrestler. Right. And we got the street fight, and we got the uh, the no DQ match. And in all honesty, I'm looking at which I think would be a great matchup for both men is uh, Tito Escondido against Hero Lou. Wow, wow, yeah, yeah, that's. Oof, two big boys in the ring, man. That would be wonderful and a good experience for uh, for Hero as well. Um, the Ice Camera faction, um, you know, they had their uh, their moment of uh, celebration. Oh yeah, and, and Seth and Seth most likely will Seth be there. Uh, with Ice Camera faction, how are you feeling so far with? Um, the way that that group is uh, gelling together now with ice into the mix. Uh, well, you know, ice has always been an opportunist. Oh, so him aligning with them 
you know, he never wants to lose that No Limits championship, but I'm pretty sure he's got guys like Sefa and Chris Bay and even a Jay Vidal. And if you talk to Matt Vandergriff, you know, those guys, they all, they all want to get that championship around their waist. So there's no shortage of challengers, you know. I'd love yeah. to see Eli Everfly and Ice Williams, you know. Brandon Gatson and Ice Williams. Yeah. You know, Adrian Quest. You know, there, there's so much talent, you know. It's mind-boggling, you know, the people we can bring in, yeah. you know. And, you know, the question is how well they're all going to get along because, you know, you know, Watson, he's like that quiet assassin. He doesn't say too much. Fresco's kind of the opposite. <laughs> but to me, it's like, well, who is the leader? Is it Braxton or is it Ice? Right. And I can't see, maybe because they helped him and did stuff, Ice is more than happy to, you know, let Braxton be in control, but when things don't go well, how quickly does I turn on him? You, you know what I mean? Right. I there can't be two leaders. It it reminds me a lot of uh, the Nation of Domination when The Rock came in, and uh, all of a sudden Farouk started going from the the boss down, down, and out. So uh, very interested to see. Um, if uh, that plays out close to that, uh, what what are your feelings about um, the way uh, you know someone like Watson is coming along in the ring? Um, are you looking like a guy like that? Are you looking to try to get a little more in ring time, or you know, if they it, it, again, is it fighting for position on shows between all these guys? Well, because of the uh, the structure of the group at this point, you know, Braxton's more or less the manager. Right. You know, he'll get involved, I would assume, in the six-mans and things like that. But there's got to be the odd man out. Ice is the no-limits champion. So due to the structure of getting matches on and getting people, you know, Fresco and Watson are probably going to be you know, the long-term tag team as long as everything kind of works out. Right. You know, not that Watson can't be involved in the Nevada State and he won't work singles matches. You know, he will. But, you know, that's kind of how the pecking order was before Watson was more of the singles guy, even though he did team with Fresco. But Braxton and Fresco teamed up a little bit more when Watson was involved in, say, the Nevada State tournament where – you know, he did get a win. You know, yeah. he did beat Hero. You know, even it was through help, but he's definitely talented enough. You know, he's a guy who came to us a few years ago, and guys like Graves and Hammerstone put him over, and he was winning championships in Arizona. And he came to us, and at that time, I felt he wasn't ready to be a main player in FSW. You know, he had a great attitude. You know, he he was a good worker. Uh, not to disrespect Arizona, but FSW just happens to have way more talent than they do. 
Sure. So while Watson kind of settled in in the mid-card, low mid-card, he was used to main eventing in Arizona, you know, and got to give him all the credit because in situations like that, sometimes people's ego makes them feel, you know what, fuck FSW. You know, they don't see me, you know, instead of looking at it as, they don't know what they're talking about. In Arizona, I'm the man. You know, he's just looking to get better. Right. And that's how guys get better. You know, Hammerstone and Graves were the same way. Hammerstone had to get out of Arizona, and that's why he credits us with everything. And you, you would think that we trained him, you know, the way he puts us over. And we talk about how Graves, he might work Navajo show in Arizona, but other than that, he almost barely never works yeah. those shows, you know. So, you know, Watson saw the value of working with, you know, whether it was our, you know, main event guys or it was, was our younger talent, you know, because at that point, you know, Shogun and, and Watson, you know, Watson had a little more seasoning, I guess you could say, by wrestling more matches. Sure. But we felt Shogun was ahead of him at that point with, with less training because of who he got to train with, you know, every yeah. day. You know, you walk into the facility and you could have Sin and you could have Remy and you can have Cody and you could have Damian Drake and Vandergriff and at the time Cross and the Bonus Boys and, and 30 guys that when we don't have a show on a weekend – they're all out traveling because FSF, FSW Arizona, as I like to call the Arizona Wrestling Federation, you know, go look at their last show. You know, yeah. they use Creature Feature and the RMB were in one tag match together. Parada's their champ, even though he's an Arizona guy. Jay Vidal was on the show. And, you know, even I believe Nick Xander was on the show. So they were, they're starting, like, they obviously have to watch everything we do because even our youngest guys are seemingly getting opportunities there and, and all credit to them for doing it. Yeah. And I joke around, say FSW Arizona, because we did have one there for a while. Right. And loved it again. But our guys have really shined when they've gotten the opportunities to be elsewhere and they continue to get them. Yeah. Um, one of the interesting things that came up at ground zero was the, uh, RMB, uh, death proof best of what is it? Best of, uh, 21 or uh, best of 50 matches. <laughs> no, we're, we're, what happened was death proof who looked in their eyes to be in line to be the first challengers for the unguided. Do they have a beef? Yeah, I guess they I guess they do. You know, when they had the number one contender match, you know, shortcuts were had, but the bottom line was the unguided won the match. They went on for the title match and they won it. Death proof lost. Uh, then recently it was an unofficial number one contenders match. It just was a four-way tag match. Let's see what's going on. So, RMB, 
Toko Uso, which was their first time in FSW, Death Proof, and Sky High were in a four-way. Well, R&B won the match. The last time R&B and Death Proof had a match was at No Escape 2020. Yep. And R&B won that match. So when the unguy- when uh, Death Proof comes out screaming that they've been mistreated and, you know, it was a little uncharacteristic of Cody. He was screaming at the fans. He was getting into it with somebody. Like, you know, not that Cody isn't like that at training sometimes. <laughs> Oh, he's a very uh, emotional person. Sure. So he was pissed off. And we had talked about, you know, something later on in the show. And he he demanded that they come out. So that really wasn't the way it was supposed to be. So Cody comes out. And then R&B, I guess they have the same right. To sure. say, hey, wait a second, we just won this match. And they've gone back and forth, and Death Proof has won their matches against R&B, and R&B's won their matches, So, which I think is a brilliant idea. One match, anybody can win. Slip on a banana peel, <laughs> hit you with a baseball bat, you know. At least in a two-out-of-three match setting, you're hoping, just like in baseball – the longer the series goes, you know, the the better chance that the better team wins. Sure. In you know, one, you know, one is 50-50. One match, 50-50 goes either way, especially on those those two teams. Now, two out of three, well, it's 67%. Somebody's got to come up top to where at least the perception is we earned it. Right. You know? So the first match was had, and exactly what Cody expected to happen, happened. R&B took the shortcut, but they got the win. So now, for them, it's 50-50. They only got to win one of the next two matches. Right. And, you know, May 14th is the next match. So in my mind, as we're setting up for the anniversary show, which – I'm pretty certain is going to be the two-night affair, uh, Friday the 18th, Saturday the 19th, you know, that there's a good chance that if R&B wins on May 14th, they'll get the title shot at the anniversary. If Death Proof wins, then we go to the first night of the anniversary and they wrestle, and then the winner challenges the unguided the next night on the 19th. Sure. Oh, you know, as we speak, I'm trying to pencil things in, you know, what we're looking to do, you know, what big name guy, you know, is going to wrestle for the championship, you know, is MK going to, you know, bring in, I know, I know he's talking to some former champions I know he's been talking to, and I'm talking about former FSW champions as well as, you know, some of the top talent from around the country. So, you know, I'm talking about being that one possibility is on the 18th, we do our against all odds rumble match being at any against all odds. And instead the next night that becomes the main event. 
You know, yeah. so I was trying to come up with different ideas. Uh, you know, 30 man rumble on the night, on the Saturday night. And then on Sunday, uh, if Hammerstone's the champ or whoever is the champ, they get that title match. Yeah. Oh, so we'd love to have Chris Bay on board. Love to have Seth on board, you know? So there, there's so many good wrestlers. And now when I talked about earlier about time constraints and things like that, on the two-night show, we can kind of space some things out. Right. You don't have to worry about getting nine or ten matches on the show. Right. You know, I could be comfortable, especially on a Rumble match when there's 30 guys. We've always been doing like five matches, maybe six. But maybe we just do the five with the Rumble, and then we save eight for the, the second Last night. night. Yeah. And then the idea would be to do the, uh, the, the Hall of Fame ceremony on the Thursday. Sure. So we'll see, you know, by, by June 18th, the word is if things are going the way they're going right now, there's going to be no capacity limits and uh, no social distancing. As of Friday, uh, we're down to three feet. So now we don't have to worry about trying to skirt things a little bit. Hey, that's only five feet, two inches, Joe. Ah, who gives a fuck? <laughs> Um, as we uh, wrap up here, uh, you know, I wanted to uh, get your opinion as uh, a promoter and a wrestling fan. On this past uh, Sunday, the Impact pay-per-view where you had Rich Swan dropping the title of Impact to Antiene, to Kenny Omega, is it smart what they're doing with uh, Kenny in making him the belt collector from all these different uh, organizations? Well, I got a question for you. Who's a bigger company, AEW or Impact? Yeah, I would I would have to say the one with the TV deal on TNT. You're absolutely right. Okay, so they, they, have, the, they have the power yeah. in, in that situation. So the match happened on whose pay-per-view? Yeah, an impacts pay per view. So, does that mean more people from AEW watch the Impact taping to see their guy? I'd hope so. I really would hope so. You know, if if they got twenty more buys, you know, here's a fact that some people know, some people don't know. A few years ago, Kenny Omega's working for Ring of Honor. He's doing the New Japan thing mainly, but he comes over for Ring of Honor. So we were doing a Mecca. We were trying to get Kenny Omega, who was the contact that I was told to contact that if anybody can get him there, he'd be the guy. Well, it's Scott D'Amour, the executive vice president of Impact. So there's doubt that that deal came into fruition through them. Impact's job is to get as many eyes as them as possible. Right. A has got a TNT deal. Impact has a much smaller television deal. AEW and Impact are pretty different in the, in the styles and things they use. Sure. But if anybody's going to doubt Impact's roster, they're out of their mind. Right. If anybody's going to be like, oh, AEW's roster, oh, it kills Impact's roster. Well, guys who I love that have worked for me numerous times, Lance Hoyt, 
Brian Cage on the AEW side, the Young Bucks, okay, Jericho. They might have some more, and, and of course, a Moxley, who's one of the biggest names. But now Impact Wrestling has one of the biggest names in the world on their show on, on a frequent basis. Right. But they also have the guys that were similar to Cage, you know, two years ago. Cage and Callahan were on equal standards doing impact, doing the indies and the rascals and Trey Miguel and Saban and Shelley and Moose and, you know, TJP, you know, you can't look at impacts roster and say, Oh wow, this, this is garbage. And they got, you know, the good brothers, yeah. you know, and now impact's got new Japan team, as their tag champions. Right. But there's got to be some kind of deal with New Japan. They New Japan, first off, had to allow those guys to go work the show. Right. So you don't work the show with an agreement. So in reality, as big as AEW is compared to Impact, all it is is, is that territory thing. Well, what works better? Well, if FSW did shows on a frequent basis, and now all of a sudden we did shows with Defy and the places out of Texas and all these major companies, now we would have their fans, our fans, and the other companies' fans. And that's why we're in discussions in dealing with some of the bigger independent companies to do with things like GCW, where we reach out to them. Hey, bro. What can we do? How can we help? You need anybody. You want the ring. What, what's going on? Right. We're the ones who make those moves. You know, we get contacts, of course, but I'm the one. Hey, Impact Wrestling, you know, what do you think about this, this, and this? That was, you know, five, six years ago when we were contacted and we contacted Global Force Wrestling with Jeff Jarrett. It starts from there. You know, it's, it's putting in the hustle. It's getting the work. And it can't be like, hey, we want to do this for you. Give us money. It's right. like, okay, this is what we can do for you. This is how we can help you. Uh, we feel we'd be a benefit. We got a place called Sam's Town. I can hook you up with the guy. Bing, bang, boom. So why would you want to work with somebody else? Yeah. I'm the one who's putting in the legwork for you, making things easier. You know, in the initial deal with Impact, I was the middle guy. We did a lot of stuff through me. And then as they built their own relationship, we help out and we do a lot of things for them. But they kind of deal with that. And, you know, Joe doesn't have to be the guy to get, you know, uh, coffee stirs for Scott D'Amour. When you know, I'm walking out the door and he's saying, hey, you know where I get the coffee stirs? Like, really? You're asking me for that? <laughs> you know? But guess what? Ring of Honor's in town. They don't need a lot of help from us, but they use our guys. They use our ring crew. They use our guardrails instead of the ring because they got their own. They use the crash, you know, they use the padding sometimes when they need it. And even when AEW was here and, you know, they use 12 of our guys as extras and, you know, they needed a crash pad to work on things. And we're always there for these companies. And the reason they come at us is because we've built that up. You know, a guy like Matt Hardy, a guy like Brian Cage, Lance Hoyt, all these guys, 
oh yeah, you could go talk to Joe at FSW. Yeah. You know, and that's part of, you know, if we were just a locally based company that really didn't bring anybody in, we would have no reach outside Las Vegas. And our goal is to get as much reach as possible. And I don't feel we're anywhere near where we would like to be. So the part of working with, you know, WAC in California and Defy and all these companies, if you go on Twitter, there's 100 companies and, you know, some of them, like, they really don't have much of a following. Right. And as much as I need it to benefit us, it needs to benefit all parties. Right. You know, and the long the long road back to the impact thing is I see a lot of people complaining like, oh, I can't believe it. They put Kenny Omega over like, OK, first off. Did you think they were going to put Rich Swan <laughs> over or did you think worse that they were going to do a giant schmoz with both locker rooms clearing and then it leads to nothing? No contest. Like back in the old days. When the AWA and the NWA, they would go to they would go to New York or the Meadowlands and have Flair versus Bachwinkle, and it would be a time limit draw, a double countout. There would never be a winner, but that was their way to try to answer the WWF's dominance at Madison Square Garden. Right. Get into Madison Square Garden, but they can go to the Meadowlands, and they were able to do a show there. And they would do the show there, and they would still have, you know, a fourth of what the WWF would draw. And that was with Flair and Bachwinkle there yeah. in the main event because they had to juice it up and make it a double, you know, double company card because they needed as many fans as they could to be there. And how could they do it? The AWA didn't have a lot of reach on the East Coast, and neither did NWA, but they still had their fans. Right. So they would show. And it was all right. They did pretty well, but they didn't do what the, the numbers the WWF would do. And, you know, what is Impact's long-term strategy? I have no idea. You yeah. know, I remember years ago, uh, Matt Hardy was a guest on my radio show. And at the time, I believe they put over like, uh, maybe it was, Kane and Rock were they ever tag champions? It might have been like Kane and uh, like Kane Austin. And, it might have been like even Kane and RVD or Kane and X Pac. Or I know. No, those. this was what. No, this was way before that. Okay. This was like uh, the Stone Cold Rock. I think Kane might have been involved, but I remember it was like the hot tag teams with the Hardys and Edge and Christian. And my guy, I assume the Dudleys or whatever. Right. But I remember the makeshift tag team winning the tag belts. And I, my question to Matt Hardy was, you know, how does it feel watching the makeshift tag team come in? And he was all for it, he said, because when one of us win the belts back, it's a bigger deal. Right. But I'm. I understand that, but in a lot of cases, those tag teams imploded and they either gave up the belts or lost because of the infighting and it didn't make the Hardys or Edge and Christian look good. Right. They just there and were the guys who collected the belts. And if Kenny Omega 
doesn't drop the impact version of the belt to somebody like a moose or, or whoever it is, because then other than getting the new viewers and things like that, as a company, you got to get that win back. Right. You know, and right now impact has lost the tag titles to a new Japan team and they've lost, you know, and everybody thought that good brothers were going to win the titles back because with new Japan and the travel restrictions, who knows how often you're going to get, you know, juice and Finley, right. You know, and it's a good concept and it's a good opportunity for some of the other tag teams to get opportunities against them. Right. But oh, is, is, is the big play a joint pay-per-view? Is it, you know, all three of them combining forces for a, a super, super show? Yeah. You know, I guess we got to wait and see, but I can't believe Impact would just be like, okay, Swan's going to lose to you, and then in three months, uh, you just drop the belt, we'll forget all about it, and then we'll have another tournament to crown a champion. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. If that is case then that's horrible but i just can't believe that would be the case yeah <clears throat> especially with the guys over there being as smart as they are in terms of the business um i i think you're right that you know once the uh the attention is given then the uh the eventual you know loss coming back to impact is is uh definitely in the cards i believe um as we wrap up here, Joe, any final thoughts for uh, the listeners uh, and viewers today? And uh, also a reminder, everyone, that uh, if you subscribe to FSW Network, uh, this uh, upcoming show uh, on May 8th is going to be included in that subscription. So definitely uh, take the time to subscribe. And Joe, any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, we're taking a week off from running shows. You know, I can use the break, you know, but we'll be back May 8th, when, you know, and again, because of our good rapport with so many companies, uh, we got Psycho Clown and another representative of AAA. Uh, I'm assuming you're going to have a match at Psycho de Mayo. Uh, we got a street fight. We got a no DQ match. We got uh, Tito Escondido. We got Cepha, uh Hero Lou, you know. Maybe the unguided, you know, they like to show up every show, you yeah. know, they're always looking to work, you know, so maybe that's your, uh, maybe that's the AAA surprise right there. They'll give uh, Damian Drake and Vandergriff versus Psycho Clown. Yeah, there you go. And then, uh, you know, but, you know, here's a uh, trivia shout out. Uh, the unguided have now tied Kenny and Shogun for most title defenses. So, I know. I uh, I have to say when I was watching the show and you said that <laughs> I just lost it. I thought that was very very clever and funny and true. But uh, right, yeah. so I, you know, I hope I don't offend anybody because you know I, I I I offend a lot of people. <laughs> you know, as I'm so as I'm told. So <laughs> well, we wouldn't want it any other way, man. Keep, keep offending. Yeah. Keep offending. Uh, everyone, thank you for uh, tuning in and listening. Uh, again, please check out FSW. Check out the network. Uh, check out, you know, if you're in Vegas and you haven't gone to a show in a while, 
as uh, things start loosening up restriction-wise and more capacity is available, please stop in and uh, watch a live show. Um, it's been, you know, too long for a lot of people since they've been able to enjoy live entertainment, let alone live wrestling. And uh, please check out the Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting and uh, all the stuff we offer. And until next time, thank you, everybody. We'll see you then.